and welcome to the ArborPod, Detective Dendro series. Today's guest is Janet Huber in the case of the flagging fruit trees. This podcast is provided by the International Society of Arboriculture. The early July sun warmed my shoulders as I strolled through a downtown park. As I traversed the park, I noticed with appreciation that the younger trees had been expertly pruned. Their well-formed leaders and gracefully balanced scaffold branches were worthy examples of good pruning practices for my young apprentice, Kodit, to study. As I turned toward my office to give him a call, I remembered that Kodit had left town the day before for a visit to Oak Park, Illinois, a suburb just west of Chicago, to visit his favorite aunt. I envied my assistant's trip to the Windy City, a favorite haunt of my younger arborist days. The phone was ringing insistently as I walked through my office door. Grabbing the receiver, I heard, Dendro! Detective Dendro! We have an emergency! The raccoons are attacking! Something about the voice made tendrils of trepidation twist in my gut. Cody, is that you? What the... Detective Dendro, I'm so glad you answered. My Aunt Mary Gayla McIntosh is almost hysterical from this tragedy. Oh, man, I don't even have my hand pruners with me. Cody blurted out anxiously. Wondering who was actually more hysterical, I responded. Now, Cody, just calm down and talk slowly. What is this about raccoons attacking you? I was afraid to ask what he intended to do with hand pruners. Cody drew a deep breath and said, No, no, the raccoons aren't attacking me. Okay, let me explain. Aunt Mary Gayla was out of the country for several weeks before I came to visit. She just got home the day before yesterday, so this morning we went out to her garden plot by the forest preserve to check on the young apple trees she planted last year. Kodit had already bent my ear about his Aunt Mary Gayla, who had become famous in Oak Park for her delectable apple pies. She decided to develop a pie-baking business and learn to cultivate her own fruit, so she bought a vacant piece of real estate near a suburban forest preserve and planted a dozen different cultivars of apple trees, Malus domestica. They were still too young to bear fruit, but she had been giving them scrupulous attention, even hiring a caretaker to monitor the irrigation system while she was away. But here's the deal, Dendro, continued Kodit. Most of the smaller branches have thin slit-like cuts through the bark, and a lot of the twigs are broken and hanging. Some of the leaves on the ends are turning brown. I've assured my aunt that I'm being trained in arboriculture by the best, and I know things, but I've never seen anything like this. Aunt Mary Gala said the raccoons came out of the forest preserve at night looking for food. They must be chewing on our apple trees and breaking the branches. I did see some footprints in the mud not far from the trees. Or they could have been white-tailed deer eating the branches. These predators must be stopped. I considered Kodit's description of the damage to the small tree branches. My gut feeling told me an important piece of information was missing. I started to ask Kodit to take some detailed digital photos of the trees and surrounding area, but just then I heard a decidedly different voice speaking from my phone. Hello, Detective Dendro. This is Mary Gayla McIntosh. My nephew, Coded, has told me so much about your knowledge of arboriculture and your dynamic diagnostic abilities. I'm truly desperate to save my apple trees, and I will gladly pay your expenses if you will consider coming to inspect the damage and tell me how my trees can be salvaged. I know this is a lot to ask on such short notice, but I've heard your skills are unsurpassed. Even as I racked my brain for a good excuse to stay put, the smell of Chicago-style deep-dish pizza with plenty of green peppers and onions suddenly seemed to be wafting in through the window. And with no major cases on the home front that sunny summer day, I couldn't seem to find an excuse quite good enough to keep me grounded. Miss McIntosh and I discussed my fee schedule, and I promised to be on the first flight to Chicago the next morning. 
Her relief was apparent. Oh, thank you, Detective Dendro. I can't tell you how much I appreciate this. I'll clean up around the tree so that you can do a complete inspection. There are a lot of dead bugs on the ground. I'm sure I've seen them before, but I can't think where. They're very unusual, with black bodies, orange-veined wings, and big red eyes. I asked Coda to sweep them off my driveway and sidewalk yesterday. The dead ones certainly did accumulate while I was away. Please, just leave everything the way it is, Miss McIntosh. Changing anything could compromise the evidence. As I soared through the clouds the next morning, the conversations with Codet and Mary Gala played through my mind. I thought about the slits in the branches and the broken twigs, the wildlife, the young age of the trees, and even the numerous dead insects of the same colorful species. A vague hunch began to develop. As soon as the plane landed, I got on the horn and called Cornelius Coleoptera, an old friend and entomology professor at Northwestern University. I asked him if there had been any natural events in northern Illinois over the past several weeks that were of special interest to those in his field. I must say, Dendro, Professor Coleoptera responded, the past two months have been the most exhilarating I've experienced in 17 years. And he explained why. I began to connect the dots. Now all I needed was to examine those apple trees. As I entered the airport terminal, I saw Kodit waving exuberantly as he walked toward me beside his Aunt Mary Gala. He introduced us as she looked up at me with sparkling green eyes and a radiant smile. Her creamy skin and rosy cheeks reminded me of apple blossoms in full spring bloom. It's truly a pleasure to meet you, Miss McIntosh, I said with conviction. Likewise, and please call me M.G., short for Mary Gala. I am delighted you agreed to come all this way. I so hope we can save my apple trees. I followed M.G. and Coda to her car, and we drove through the suburbs to an open field where the young apple trees were planted. About thirty yards away was the forest preserve, heavily wooded, and an excellent habitat for a variety of wildlife species. Yes, Coda, I said. That does look like a raccoon's footprint, but there's something else I want to check out before we put all the pieces of this puzzle together. Let's take a look at those dead insects M.G. mentioned on the phone. We gathered a few to inspect, and the dead insects were just as M.G. had described. They were black in color, with extraordinary red eyes and orange-veined wings. They were relatively large, and we noticed that they bore resemblance to the brownish-green cicadas common in mid to late summer. I believe the culprit has been identified, I said, but let's first rule out other possibilities. Since we're so near the forest habitat, it would be easy to blame the tree damage on wildlife, such as raccoons or deer. We're nearing the middle of July, though, and food is plentiful for foragers. The procyon loter, or raccoon, may consider fruit good eats in the late summer or fall, but slitting and breaking fruitless tree branches is not normal behavior. If it were winter, white-tailed deer could be turning to woody twigs and buds for sustenance, but not so likely in the summer when the supply of green plants and acorns is available and obviously abundant. Besides, the small branches may be damaged and some have broken, but they are still attached to the tree. The deer haven't been eating them. Now look at the dead insects we've gathered, I continued. According to my entomologist friend, Professor Coleoptera, they are the result of an insect emergence phenomenon that just ended last week. In North America, we see and hear certain species of cicadas every summer, usually in July and August. These are called annual or dog day cicadas and are typically brown or greenish with dark eyes. But periodical cicadas belonging to the genus Magicicida 
emerge only once every 13 or 17 years after spending most of their long lives as nymphs underground. In northern Illinois, the periodical cicada emergence of brood 13 occurs every 17 years in late May and June. The last one took place in 1990. Like clockwork, the periodical cicadas literally surfaced once again in May and June 2007. They are about one and a half inches, 2.5 to 1.3 centimeters, long and are identified by their black bodies, orange-veined wings, and notable red eyes. They number in the billions when they emerge from the ground, but live just two to six weeks as adults to mate and produce new offspring before they die. And in the time I was away, I missed the whole thing. Detective Dendro, you saying that the periodical cicadas were eating my apple tree branches? Asked M.G. I assured her the damage was not a result of eating habits, but rather the cicada's egg-laying method. Female cicadas make small slits in the branch bark and push 10 to 12 eggs into each slit with the ovifacitor at the end of their abdomens. After six weeks, the eggs hatch and the cicada nymphs, each about the size of a rice grain, make their way into the ground where they will spend the next 17 years. Not all tree species sustain critical damage, but high on the susceptible list are fruit trees such as apple, peach, prunus persica, and cherry, prunus of several species. Other trees seriously affected are oak, quercus, ash, fraxinus, maple, osser, hickory, caria, birch, betula, hawthorn, cretaceous, dogwood, cornus, and redbud, circus. Young trees are especially at risk, so that's why M.G.'s apple trees look like they've been used for sword-fighting practice. Mary Gala said hesitantly, Well, I guess I'd better ask this question. Are my apple trees going to live, Detective? Looking into eyes as green as Dewey's spring leaves, I was glad I could hold out hope, because the trees had already had a year to become established at that location and were in very good health. Most of them would probably survive the damage from the cicada egg deposits. M.G. would need to prune the broken and damaged branches, and some of this season's new growth would be lost. I reminded M.G. that if she were growing young trees in the future in an area where a periodical cicada emergence was anticipated, new trees should not be planted until the fall or the following spring. Small trees like hers that were already planted could be protected by covering them with cheesecloth or plastic netting with openings no larger than one-half inch. 1.3 centimeters. The entire canopy of the tree should be covered and fastened just below the lowest branch with jute or twine. The covering should remain in place from initial cicada emergence until all are gone six to eight weeks later. Detective Dendro, I guess I've learned a very important lesson as a grower. I need to make myself aware in advance of all environmental occurrences and their potential effect on my crop, M.G. surmised. That's always a good policy, Mary Gala, and I know you'll be harvesting some excellent baking apples of your own one day. And in the meantime, I'm still counting on a sample of your famous apple pie. It would be an honor, she replied. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the ArborPod Detective Dendro series. Are you certified by ISA? You can earn CEUs for this podcast. Just use the code DD5105 to complete the quiz online. Stay tuned for the next ones. This podcast is provided by the International Society of Arboriculture. Mm -hmm.